Welcome to Changing Reels, a bi-weekly podcast that aims to change the conversation on diversity in cinema one reel at a time. We do this by revisiting overlooked and underappreciated films. My name is Courtney Small. Our regular co-host Andrew Hathaway is on hiatus for several months as he focuses on his career doing writing and also he's producing a video game which is due out later this fall. But if you still want to support his work and help feed his cats, which is always important, you can do so by visiting his Patreon account at, over at uh, Can't Stop the Movies. Dot com. Uh, also, if you're feeling generous, you can visit the Modern Superior Patreon account, as they're the podcasting network that hosts our show. In Andrew's absence, one of our favorite guests, Kristen Lopez, has agreed to take time out of her busy schedule to sit in the co-host chair. Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Now, the last time we, you were on the show, I should... The last couple of times, every time you've been on the show, there's been various milestones that we like to, to track and the awesomeness that is your life. And I noticed recently you had not one but two pieces up on uh, RogerEbert.com. And you're three. Also, three. I missed one? Three. Oh, I, I, need to, I need to go back. Shame on me for that. And you also had, um, I know you've also written some stuff for The Hollywood Reporter as well. Yeah. Um, I, I've been I've been everywhere. The, it's Kind of my goal this year has been okay. I'm I'm making money now. I'd like to, I can go back to like prestige. Um, it's a very delicate balance because one does not always equal the other. So I decided I started out with working for Heat Vision, which is kind of the genre subsidiary of Hollywood Reporter. And then I noticed the last two times I had submitted stuff, it was actually on HollywoodReporter.com. I honestly don't know why, but it was pretty awesome. Um, and I was like, okay, that's great, because I love The Hollywood Reporter. That's kind of a big deal, especially if you live in L.A., which I hope to soon. But my goal has always been to write for, for RogerEbert.com. That's been my bucket list for a long time. And I thought it was like you, you really had to be part of the club to get in, and I was just kind of tweeting an idea I had one day. And the editor of Roger Ebert, Matt Zollersites, was like, send me a pitch for that, because that sounds really good. And I was like, oh, my God, really? So, yeah, it, it was um, – those are every time I write for them, I, I break out in, like, a sweat, and I get really itchy. Um, I easily write rewrite my pieces from scratch three times. But it's been awesome to get to, to write about so many different things, and apparently I am part of the, the club now. I am an, a Roger Ebert published writer, and I feel – like, I've got my little mare. Finally, I'm like, you know, I know all my other accomplishments are great, but now I feel like I've, I'm a writer with a capital W. No, that that is awesome. And the, the, at least the two pieces that I read were, were fantastic. I'm going to have to seek out that third one. And also, you know, congrats on getting paid as well, because that is a huge thing, especially when it comes to, to film criticism. As you know, it's it's very tough for a lot of people to, to make yeah. a living. So. Uh, yeah, well, I've, I freelance full-time now since I got my downsized my... My job only had three employees, and guess which one of us was let go. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I kind of, you know, I freelance full time, and it's been it's been good because I write steadily enough for a bunch of other sites that I can afford to kind of take a leap of faith. Although I'm slowly feeling like I'm burned out, so my goal for April has been to not pitch as much um, and try to like relax because I'm going to a film festival at the end of the month, and I don't want that stress. But I've already found myself being like. I should just send someone an email. It's like a really bad, abusive relationship where I'm just like, I should just send an email to an editor with an idea and just, just see if they say yes. And if they say yes, then maybe I can write it really quickly. <laughs> 
So I've, I've already gone against what I wanted to do this In month. the back of your mind, you're always thinking, ah, what's the worst thing? They can only say no, That's and then they, they say yes, and you're like, oh, darn. Exactly, you're like, crap, now I have to write it. And then you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm getting paid, and everybody needs more money, especially if you're a writer, you know? what What's the harm? It, it does suck when you have, like, three things due in one week, and you have to remind yourself, why did I do this? <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate you taking out time to uh, help with the show, and I will say, as a, as a sneak preview for things to come... Um, Kristen has provided a lot of fantastic film suggestions, some of which I have not seen, so I'm actually very excited to uh, dive into the, the slate of films that we will be d- discussing over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, this uh, the, the list that we came up with, uh, and I'm going to give you most of the credit for, for everything because you organized it in a way that was very very smooth. It's a really nice mix of like stuff I've seen, stuff I've always said I should see. Um, and stuff like what we're talking about today, which is a movie that I had heard so many people talk about and I never thought I'd actually take time to watch it, and I have, and I, I'm glad yeah, I did. You know what? I'm the exact same way. This was one that I had heard a lot about, and I actually saw the director's, I guess, most recent film, or at least the film that she had at TIFF last year, and that kind of sparked my, I really need to dive back but we're going to get to that in a moment we like to start off each episode by highlighting a short film that you can watch online for free as baseball season is now upon us today's short is the 2014 film monet davis i throw like a girl uh, the film is directed by spike lee and the film shines a light on 13 year old baseball phenom monet davis who was the first female pitcher to pitch a winning game in the little league world series kristen what were your thoughts on this film this was interesting because i had i'd heard of monet davis but i am terrible my my family will tell you i'm horrid with sport or sports ball as i call it at home you know i i'm terrible when it comes to like basketball football anything except for hockey and i only like hockey because it's violent so so i'm i'm pretty awful but i did know who who she was and i did like that it's really a documentary more about the kind of sexism that society puts on on sports you know um when when i was watching this i noticed how a lot of the talking heads that they get are male the coach here is a man who puts her on an all-male team and really the only people saying you know using the term throw like a girl is this kind of the societal belief that that term is derogatory whereas if you watch this documentary and nobody else in in her immediate sphere of influence sees her gender as a problem that was one of the one of the things that really struck me about this film and similar to you the the first five minutes or so i was thinking is there gonna be any females talking in this film because we see a lot of the of the coach but as you said outside of her inner circle everyone pretty much treats her just like a irregular pitcher like she's a 13 year old and she's throwing a 70 mile per hour fastball and i'm well above that age and i don't think i can throw a, a softball that hard and you know for most of this film she's just a very down-to-earth individual that's like yeah i kind of picked up this sport i pretty much seem to pick up any type of sport that i i uh, attempt and you know I, I learned the mechanics i followed through everyone from the catcher to her entire family is like she's just just talented like the fact that even though she's from the south side of philly her race doesn't actually come up in terms of being a focal point yes she is a female in a male dominated sport but if anything this film makes you wonder well why aren't more women integrated in sports like why why do we need to have separate leagues especially when it comes to to baseball which is not a a contact 
sport. And I thought for a Spike Lee film as well, he's he's done a lot of great documentaries. Um, I'm thinking like Four Little Girls is one of my favorites and When the Levee Broke. But I like that he doesn't integrate himself too much into this because sometimes you hear his commentary in the background or he, he might be laughing at something they say. But there was a point where I thought he might overshadow Monet's story. And I like that he, he practiced restraint here. He's very cynical. In, in a lot of his, his theatrical work, there's this, obviously, there's this bleak kind of comic, tragic comic element to his stuff. And here, this is very positive. This is probably like the happiest Spike Lee movie that I've, I've seen because it's about celebrating a person who is doing good, who's, who's underestimated at every turn, whether it's the fact that she's a girl, whether it's the fact that she's a, a black girl. I appreciated all of that. And I think something that I, I kind of connected in terms of our main movie that we're talking about as well is that this is showing a part of life that most Hollywood movies don't show. So when you see, and we're slowly seeing it shift, I think mostly because directors of color are becoming more prevalent in cinema, but this is a young girl who lives in Philly and yet she doesn't come from a broken home. Well, she, I mean, she, her parents are divorced, but she has a supportive stepfather you know, this isn't some poverty-stricken ghetto situation, which I think a lot of people, unfortunately, because Hollywood doesn't change that narrative, still assume. And I liked that it was a really, she has a really supportive family atmosphere. Her community is very supportive as well. And I think we, we miss that in most mainstream Hollywood movies. The one aspect that I thought of this film that was forced was when she was doing the, the Rocky Run at the end of the of this the steps yeah. and and I liked that that was that was my one complaint with this film like I loved everything else about it and as you pointed out she comes from a supportive family like yes yeah, she has a, a stepdad but he supported her. all her brothers are supportive it is not one of those rag to riches type tales it's not an after school special exactly exactly and I wouldn't expect that type of film from Spike Lee but I do feel that if this was in the hands of any other director, especially a, a director who's not a person of color. You just you say know. it's a, a regular white dude director. That's what I would say. <laughs> sure, sure. That's that's one way you could put it. It would very much be, you know, the story of, oh, she, she came from the slums, had a single mother, and, you know, just they barely scraped by. And here it was like, no, it was just a, like she came from well-structured family, you know, and it, it was refreshing. Like, I like that I can watch a, a tale like this, see a film that says, hey, this person is doing something fantastic and we should be supporting individuals, especially females that are doing fantastic things. And, oh, by the way, she's a person of color and she doesn't fit the, the same narrative that Hollywood always forces down your throat. It fits nicely, I think, with the, the feature because even though I'm a big sports fan, there is still very much that kind of repression in terms of who can play sports, um, not only in terms of gender, but depending on the sport, race plays a, a big facet in and, and even with our feature film, the simple thing of like racing boys in, in that particular community is a huge thing because that's a big no-no. And even here, when you think of having a girl on a, on a baseball team, again, wh why must we segregate? This film was a pleasant surprise. Well, and I, I think there's a real, you know, you bring up that she's just a girl that has this amazing talent. We should celebrate it. There's a very humbling atmosphere and I think it comes a lot from her as well. 
you know, she mentions how she doesn't feel that she's anything, you know, she says people, people tell her that they're, they're getting into baseball because of, of her. And she's just like, oh, you know, that's nice. <laughs> she doesn't see herself as a celebrity. She doesn't even really see herself as someone to, what, what she sees about herself, she doesn't think is particularly fascinating. Certainly not worthy of a documentary directed by Spike Lee or, or being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Certainly she doesn't think that she's, you know, in the same league as knocking Kobe off the cover. But I think that's also what makes her charming and makes it memorable that this is, that we infuse celebrities with power, that we fuel this celebrity culture. We tell these people that they're special. And of course, we're, we're, we shouldn't be surprised when they act entitled but her she's just you know she's a kid she's like i don't really care if this keeps going she doesn't even really want to play baseball as a career <laughs> she likes basketball instead so i think that's really unique you know we we're seeing that a lot now with with the the parkland kids and you know i like that we're seeing this new shift in this new generation of you know let's question why we tell certain people that they're special like we should be praising accomplishments and like actual talents and not just whether you look hot yeah it's you know i'm not going to dive too far into the the parkland aspect but i find it fascinating in terms of how especially in regards to your comments about about how we we create celebrities because i i feel that with the parkland kids we both want to create celebrity but also tear them down at the same time um depending on which side of the gun argument you lean towards and being a, a canadian listening to both sides i just find it fascinating how you know one minute one side will be like oh these kids they've been through so much and they're so poised and they're so intelligent and then the next minute when they say something that they don't like oh these kids they need to go back to class so you know where are their parents it's just it's it's amazing how we build and and destroy and with with monet she's on the cover of sports illustrated and her her main comment is you know i didn't like the way my face was in that photo right you know it, it, she could have been like if it was me i would have had a chain with like the sports illustrated at the the buckle and you know, I'd be bragging to all my friends, but she was like, no, nah, I just didn't like my face. And yeah, that kind of happened. It was cool. I got to meet some people. But, you know, like one of her biggest things was that she got to meet the the members of the other teams for the Little League. Which I was like, she's met a bunch of celebs. And for her, it was just meeting other kids who, who play the game that she enjoys playing. That was her big accomplishment. So I don't know. I think she's a, a fascinating person. You know, celebrity can come and go. But at the end of the day, you are who you are, you know, and, and she's still going to be Monet, regardless of whether or not we're talking about her or not. We're going take a minute to change the reels and then we'll come back with our feature film of the day our feature film today is the 2002 saudi arabian drama waja um, directed by hafa al-mansur uh, the film tells a story of a young saudi girl who enters her school's quran recital competition in hopes of using the prize money to buy a bicycle. Now, Kristen, I know you had mentioned that you had not seen this film until today, so do you want to talk about your first impressions of it? Sure. Um, I'm terrible when it comes to international cinema. I will admit that right here now. Um, I try to kind of get as good of a, an a education as I can with, like, screeners, but I live in Sacramento, so uh, we don't normally get international films. England is probably about as international as we get, um, and with Netflix and all of that, I'm just, I'm really bad with keeping up on that on top of mainstream Hollywood. 
So a lot of the foreign language Oscar contenders, um, I try to see. I just, I fail. I usually see about one or two. I think last year I saw In the Fade. I got to see BPM, which was not nominated for anything last year. And it should have been because it was the best foreign film I've seen. So yeah, um, this, this, um, I had heard about this when it came out, I think in 2014. And people had mentioned that they really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll get to it. And I finally did now. And I'm kind of hitting myself for not seeing it sooner. Um, this occupies a space alongside another foreign film that this reminded me of, um, Mustang, if anybody's seen that. Yeah, which Mustang is, is a film oh, that yes. I really enjoy. Um, I got to interview the director, and, and there's so many similarities, even though she says there's not Coppola in that film. But this has a lot of, uh, I think, uh, Haifa Al-Mansour, who the director mentioned she was inspired by The Bicycle Thief. So Jessica, which I thought was was really inventive, how she has this this character going through all these things in order to get a bike, and she can't because that's just not what girls do. And what again, much like with the the documentary earlier, what I really enjoyed is that this is a movie that portrays something that we don't see normally with Middle Eastern cinema, at least not in, in mainstream stuff. This is not a war-torn country in the midst of civil strife. You know, this is, for all intents and purposes, it's a very modern house that she lives in. She wears jeans at home. And so the audience is left to examine the culture that keeps these women confined and, and living a certain way. And at the end of it, it's Ultimately, I'd say it's a positive movie. You know, it doesn't end with, with doom and gloom and sadness. Nothing explodes in this movie. It's really just a, a simple story about a girl who has a goal. It just happens to be a goal that, by her societal expectations, is not something she should want to do, but it is. And I loved how all the characters are really... They all have very fleshed-out backstories as well, for the most part. It's a predominantly female centric movie so i i really enjoyed it yeah i similar to you i was happy that this film had a positive spin at least by the end because there was a point where i thought that it might take a a, a dark turn mentioned on this show in the past especially in, in 90s in independent cinema how sometimes they would add pain or torture at the very end of a film just for the sake of being stylish and there's a, a few moments where I thought just because of the way how the dynamics of the society set up that something horrible might happen, but it didn't go that way. And I was grateful and also pleasantly surprised by that. And I like that you, you pointed out that for this film is predominantly about the women in that society. Like we barely see her father. Her father's for the most part kind of non-existent, even though we know that her parents are having marital problems. And I guess the only other males we see is uh, the boy that Wajda is, is friends w with and who she wants to, to beat in a bicycle race and the, the man that's selling the bike. And then pretty much the, the heroes and I guess the villains, if you want to count the uh, the school head, are, are all women. And I thought that that was great, especially because we we're talking about a society that is still very patriarchal and simple things of like the women are outside and a man happens to be working outside, they must immediately move inside. And little little facets to that society. And I think that's, for me, what I found most captivating. It was just the little nuances. And even though it is a female-dominated film, the hypocrisy of men in that society still rings loud and clear. And in many ways, how, I guess, some of the women in that society help perpetuate 
the hypocrisy that the men have created. So there's there's a lot within this film, and even though the narrative itself is very simplistic, it's told in such a, a, a well, compelling way. Well, I think, way. you know, I don't even necessarily think this movie has villains, quote-unquote, because so much of, of their logic goes back to something grander than themselves, so that the headmistress, which I want to throw out, every woman in this movie is impossibly beautiful, um, which I was I was just like, God, yes. um, just, it's amazing. Uh, it, I, again, I was like, how is it that we live in, that, that you know, uh, Watch's mom, who is gorgeous, like, I was like, how could this guy want to marry another woman? I mean, really. But I mean, that goes back to the point, which is, you know, the headmistress acts this way because she understands that that's what the society is going to demand of these young women but if they don't learn it now in a safe space of a school it could end up being you know end up leading to them being killed or something you know even even watches dad who again wants to get a second wife it's not out of any maliciousness it's more of just a callousness this concept of he needs to have a son because that's what society dictates and if he can't get that from his first wife then the law allows him to get another one and he's just a guy taking advantage of what the law says and doing what he is conditioned to do so so i mean it's 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 hard to fault these characters for acting in a way that's the society says they should act in order to do do right and the movie doesn't want to i i think the movie doesn't want to make this big oh these these characters are rebels you know watch is a rebel because she wants a bike it's more of the fact that no why can't she and that shouldn't be a rebellious question that should just be letting her experience life so i i like how it's got these grander themes but it presents them in a very quiet subtle manner i found the the headmistress fascinating because she does everything to get the girls to in the school to conform and even something as as simple as i thought i saw a girl put an, her hand under another girl's dress you know is, has huge consequences but yet the headmistress herself has had a scandal of her own you know with the alleged break-in which people seem to think that she's she has a an, a man on the side or a fair on the side but and and Waja even calls her on it towards towards the end with this film and i guess part of it is that Waja is so such a endearing character because she wants to ride a bike and in that society they're told no they're told they're told women can't ride bikes because they can't they won't have children exactly and it and, and everything within this society is basically preparing a a woman to be a bride and as we see in one scene it can happen as young as age 11 because there's that one classmate that shows photos of um her her new husband from who's their wedding 20. who's 20 you know and you and you see the look on her face and even when they ask her how old is she is and everyone's kind of chuckling you feel sorry for her but then at the same time i'm thinking but that could be any of you guys like you're, you're laughing but you don't realize that you're one step away of, of, of being in her her shoes and just everything and even with the the, fa the father being pressured to take a second wife by his family so he can have the son and there's this big festivity and his current wife is making this wonderful elaborate meal for for all the men that are gathered almost in desperation to to show hey i i'm still very valuable and knowing that it's it's all in vain um it's it's just fascinating and you know i'm not going to to knock someone's religious beliefs 
but I just the way how Amansur picks this world and and Waja within it and her just being a a girl that's like no I I, I want to do this so I'm going to do this and if I have to to sell bracelets illegally to to make some money if I have to enter this contest which I don't quite want to do but as long whatever gets me that bike that's my goal and you all say that I, I can't do it but I'm going to do it anyway it it's just a fascinating contrast well, and, and I think what's also worth pointing out is that she's doing things that are expected of her. So she's learning the Quran, which she should be praised for. And you're kind of rolling your eyes like, who cares what she does with the money? She learned it. She's doing something that you should praise her for in your society because most people wouldn't. I mean, I can't tell you anybody I know that could recite the Bible, long passages of it. And at, at that point, it shouldn't matter what she does with the reward she's still doing what she she should be doing um as set out by her culture i think too what what is done here that i really appreciated is it's relatable to a lot of people whether you don't have to be a, a young girl growing up in saudi arabia to relate to the movie's themes like the the family dynamic you brought up the fact that her father when he does come around after days, you know, I think they say he's been gone for weeks in the beginning of the movie working. When he does come home, he wants to play video games or, you know, he wants to screw around with his wife. You know, he doesn't really want to engage with his child. He's an absentee parent. And as somebody who grew up with a neglectful father who was really never there even when he was there, like, that's totally relatable. It doesn't matter what your cultural dynamic is or your religion. You know, when she puts her name on the um, the family tree and he some he the implication is that he has taken it off because it, she's not male. You know, I mean, it, I think it shows their, their father-daughter dynamic, which is that he's great when he cares, but at the heart of it all is this belief that she's not nearly as valuable to him as she would be if she were male. And I think that that's, that's really potent in any society, especially where women are told that their value is lesser than that of a man. So, I mean, you can watch this as somebody who gets paid less than a male and, and relate to that. Um, so I, I do think that it has this universal message but it is bathed in, in a society and a culture that we know is inherently domineering to women. Yeah, and this, I found it fascinating that when she does her, her big recital and like the, I didn't catch all of it, but the, the patches that she is referring to is talking about people being false to themselves. And in many ways, you could say that almost about every other character outside of Waja in this film, because there's that moment where the, the mother is contemplating getting a job and she goes to visit her friend who, who's now working at the, the local hospital. And she's instantly shocked because she sees her friend working side by side with male colleagues. You know, she's not wearing the ceremonial garb where she's covered completely. And she's almost like, oh, don't worry about it. Things are things are different. And she, she can't quite handle it because she's she's been raised to believe that women are supposed to act a certain way in, in society. And almost every character is is not really true to themselves as we've discussed um Waja's father he is not always there and when he is he's kind of half you know trying to be good dad half hey where's your mom i want to you know i haven't seen her in a while but then when the mom's around he's quick to find an excuse to get out of there or he's you know the, the 
the pressure of the family is telling him that he, he shouldn't get too close. And th there's very few people that are really true to themselves. And it, it's funny that this 11-year-old girl is, in many ways, the, the beacon of what society should be. You know, she's, she's learning the religious doctrine. She's following along as best as she can. You know, sure, she might want to listen to some rock and roll music or, or wear Converse. But at the end of the day, she, she is who she is. And for that, she's constantly being chastised, where everyone else is playing a role that never quite fits them well. What I, I love, you know, I noticed the little things. She, the mom talks about how the dad likes her hair long. She wanted wants to get it cut. And it's kind of a laughable moment when you really think about it, because you see these characters painting their toenails or straightening their hair or doing all these things for that for it to be covered up. You know, the only people that know they've done any of that is them, is the individual. So you're seeing these characters that are pretty much damned if they do, damned if they don't. So much of, of their th these women's relationships are based on whether men are going to look at them and that's both great and terrible because, you know, that's that's great to attract male attention to get a husband, but it's bad once you're already married because you shouldn't attract male attention. You should be covered from head to toe. Um, and then you also have, like, the perverts, uh, you know, like when, when Watch is walking along the street and the guy on the roof is, like, catcalling her. So you, you have this society built around women constantly being on, like, a hamster wheel throughout the entire thing. And, and all this little girl wants to do is to have just one moment, A, for herself, where her talents and her independence and her autonomy is completely hers, and B, that doesn't revolve around having to worry about whether she's going to piss off somebody in her society. Yeah, and it's it's funny because after watching this film and I was reading up on Al-Mansur's, um, I guess, plate making this film, and, you know, a few extra dots started to connect because that's, that scene with the cat calling was one of those scenes that kind of creeped me out. And I was thinking, well, really, you're going to cat call, you know, that young in age? But... Again, in that society, potentially that could be, you know, a future bride. But I found it interesting that apparently when she was directing the exterior scenes, Amansur had to do it within a van. You know, she could never actually be seen out with the actors and, and directing because a male could cross her path. And also for, for that type of work, it, it wasn't deemed as something that a, a female should be doing. So she would have to... I guess direct under the cloak of darkness within vans and use walkie talkies to, to communicate whenever they're doing exterior shots. And there's a lot of exterior shots in, in this film. So just to think of how she was the, the tight constraints that she was working under making this film. And then the, the type of constraints that Waja is enduring and, you know, and to think that this is still going on, this is still progressing, it's it's tough. But then at the same time, I still walk away with a sense of hope for, for this film and, and this community. And amongst all the, the stuff that's going on, I, I still hold out hope that at some point, hopefully, maybe, you know, maybe things might start to, to change. Like when you see Waja on that bike at, at the very end and she's just riding carefree, you know, playing with her, her, her friend as they're riding down the street, you know, there's something, there's something empowering with such a simple shot. I can only hope that society is evolving to a certain extent, maybe very slowly, but films like this will help to open the conversation 
a little bit more. Yeah, and I, and I think that what I, I really appreciate is how inventive the character is. She She's not a wilting flower who is going to be content to just sit around and, and kind of bemoan her fate. She's so active in her goal. You know, she's calculating how much money she has to save. She's trying to find all these ways when a new, when an avenue to make money closes, she opens another one. You know, she's, she's a tenacious heroine that the audience just can't help but appreciate and find to be inspiring. But at the end of the day, what I, I loved the most, I think, was the mother-daughter relationship. Because too often in, in movies, I think you get this kind of animosity between mothers and daughters. And there is that. You know, I think her mother wants to make it easier for her to transition to adulthood and tells her, like, I'm never going to buy you this bike. But once, once she ultimately realizes that doing the right thing all her life has not resulted in her being happy. You know, then she, I think she, when she does finally present, spoiler alert, she does get the bike. I, I think it's great that it's the mom that gives her the bike. Like, if she just bought the bike and with all her money, I think the ending would have been less effective. Yeah, and similar to the short film we were just discussing, positive mothers and and yeah. loving relationships, you know, it, especially because in many ways, even though her father is in the picture somewhat, it's really a, a single mother-daughter relationship. Growing up, like my parents were divorced when I was really young, so I pretty much just grew up with my mother my entire life, and it was, watching that film, I kind of was thinking back to certain conversations that I would have with my mother, even though completely different gender but you know just the the some of the dynamics and and how whatever was interacting with her mother kind of took me back to when i was a kid and you know asking for money for certain things and the type of reactions that i would i would get and you know the list of other things that that money could be spent on and you know as you said it, it is very relatable i just i think it was the way how their dynamic evolves over the course of this film as everything else is swirling there's a there's kind of a constant within them but it's never a you never get the sense that Waja hates her mother or anything it's like she she might be annoyed that her mom won't buy her the bike but there's still respect and love there throughout and there's still some you know love for her father even though she can see what he's doing to her mom in terms of not taking their relationship seriously and I and I think that kind of positive dynamic does does help because if we're going to talk about representation and classic cinematic tropes, you know, there is the the mother-daughter are clawing at each other and, oh, they never understand each other till the very end dynamic, whereas this film, we don't get that. We, we get, I think, an honest portrayal. Again, different culture, but still very relatable and still very loving. I would agree. I think I, think I hit all my talking points. <laughs> well, the only thing I was going to ask because you brought up mustang and i think that is a a great comparison in two ways because I don't, have you seen mary shelley i have not i am really it's on my uh, most anticipated list i i know people saw it last year and did not care for it but i i really don't care because i i'm a sucker for literary references and a movie about Mary Shelley, another strong feminist character, I'm for. So I will say that I saw it last year, and that was my first experience with this director, and I liked it. It's. I still think, I think Waja is the better film of the two, but I like that she was able to, to make that leap into, you know, grand period piece filmmaking, um, which is, again, something that I would not have expected 
after seeing this film. Not because I don't think she's talented, but you know, as we've discussed in the past, especially when it comes to films with big budget, star, uh, big name stars, and Hollywood in general, usually the baseball cap wearing indie male can make a film and then get Jurassic Park, Star Wars, what have you. Uh, and when it comes to especially female filmmakers, they have to make a gazillion films before you know they they even get a, a whiff of something grander. And I guess Mary Shelley, in some ways, even though it's a biopic, I guess maybe budget-wise, is still somewhat small. But with Elle Fanning in the lead role and just the cast that they assemble, I, I think it's a great next step. It doesn't always work, but I, I enjoyed it more than some other people did. But in a roundabout way, Mustang. Um, the director of that film, her most recent film, I also saw at TIFF last year, called Kings. And it was her interpretation of the Los Angeles riots. And it stars Halle Berry and Daniel Craig. If I'm going to judge in terms of who took the, bet the better next step, I'm going to give it to Al-Mansur. Because Kings, I thought, was just awful. It, it was a film that, in my opinion is an outsider's opinion of the L.A. riots without really diving into the roots of the L.A. riot. Like, she tried to make more of a dreamlike interpretation of, of what was happening in the riots, and I just, I didn't think it worked. So it, it was, it's interesting to see these directors and the, the choices that they're making in terms of their, their career paths now. Am I going to go see whatever film she comes out with next? Yes, but I just think Kings was a bit of a misstep, whereas Mary Shelley, I don't think is as bad as a lot of people are harping on, but maybe that's because the love for Waja is, is just so strong. Well, definitely, yeah, I think that there's that. I also think that we've seen so many of these period pieces as telling a Shelley story at this point. There's been so many from that time period, um, you know, whether it's, it's Shelley or whether we're just doing an umpteenth edition of a Jane Austen novel. So I think there's more comparison with other stuff. It would have been great for her to take more niche topic, possibly. But I can see the interest in doing a Shelley biopic after this, because both of them are about young women misunderstood kind of going against the grain of their societal historical time period you know mary shelley found a supportive companion with with percy shelley and you kind of want to show that positive romance where it's kind of helping a companionate relationship as opposed to more of a uh, romantic you know gendered relationship i'm going off of that sight unseen so I haven't seen the movie yet. But I, I think maybe had she gone with maybe a more niche author. Shelley is just, there's too much room to compare to other movies. And even some of the movies made about Shelley's works. You know, I, I think that that's more of the problem there. But I'm excited to see it because I'm a sucker for those types of things. As far as Mustang goes, I, I think Mustang is a brilliant movie um, that does not understand a lot of the things. You know, I, I told the director when I interviewed her, I was like, I, I thought it played like a horror movie in a lot of ways, watching these, these girls get picked off one by yep. one and to marry. And she didn't really, I, I, I hope she took that as a compliment. It didn't seem like she really understood where I was coming from there, but I, I thought it was complimentary. At least I meant it that way. But I mean, both of those movies are looking at the concept of, marriage i think waja is a bit more positive than mustang is because mustang's whole thing is that you know these women get married and and their vitality is just sapped from them mm -hmm. um and it's, and it's inescapable and you can delay it for a while much like death but you can't escape it completely whereas waja is just like 
we're not even going to worry about that down the road. You know, that's that's going to happen tomorrow. Why worry about what you can't change when you could be living in the present and doing something that makes you happy in the moment? Yeah, completely agree with you. And it's funny because hearing you talk about Mustang again, it's like, man, I, I really want to watch that film again. So who knows? Yeah, that might be up on the on the list. Do that at a certain point. Yeah. yeah, add it to the list. Because <laughs> I, I really, I really like that film, and I, and I agree with you. The, especially the the latter half of that film, well, actually all the way through but the latter half is especially horrific um as it as it builds and builds and builds so that's another recommendation as well so if you haven't seen mustang definitely go out and see that and honestly say that we both highly recommend waja um yes i'm i'm glad i finally got a chance to to see it It had been on the list for a a while and similar to you i'm kind of kicking myself that it took so long to to get to it but i'm glad glad we finally got here so christian where can people find you Hi, I'm I'm all over. Um, the easiest place to find me is on Twitter at journeys underscore film. I also do a classic film blog called journeysandclassicfilm.com. You can also find, I'm not even going to give my portfolio because I'm terrible at updating it. You can also check out two other podcasts I do alongside this one. I run the classic film podcast Ticklish Business, uh, which is at ticklishbusiness.poppyand.com. Or you can also listen to me weekly with a rotating roundtable of women talking about feminism and film called Citizen Dame, which is at citizendame.podbean.com. And I haven't listened to the, I think it's the most recent episode, is that when you did Isles of Dogs? Yeah, that was actually last week. Oh. We had uh, some technical uh, difficulties. It just came out today, but we and we will have another, we'll have this week's episode up on Wednesday. Okay, well, I'm, I haven't seen that movie just yet, so I'm holding off that episode i have seen uh, yeah we i think it's only uh only one or two of us saw isle of dogs so there's a very brief review i didn't see isle of dogs last week i went and saw final portrait because it had army hammer in it Ah, so i I reviewed that instead (laughs) excellent listeners you can find me on twitter you know at changing reels ac or my personal twitter account at small mind um you can also reach us via email which is changing.reels.ac at gmail.com and of course wherever you're listening to us now whether it be itunes stitcher um last fm wherever you're getting your podcast always remember to rate and review our show because we greatly appreciate it oh and one last bit of housekeeping i forgot to mention earlier in your podcast feed you're going to probably notice that this is episode five of season two we did do an episode four it was actually on black panther uh we had guest Ariel Fisher on that episode but the conversation was really heated and kind of took a turn that we didn't think was really constructive to the the greater conversation of that film so we've decided to to shelf that one so the Coles Note version myself and Ariel we loved it Andrew hated it such is life so other than that thank you for listening and remember you can change the conversation on diversity one reel at a time This has been a presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.